Welcome to the First Down Podcast. That was 30, 35, 40, still on the speed at a first down. Highly improbable. Hello, hello, and welcome to episode three of the First Down Podcast. Today, I have a very exciting episode lined up for you guys today. We are going into Aaron Rodgers' first press conference since the draft. Madden changes coming to Madden 21. We're going to talk about the new onside kick proposal, the new Dak deal, the Twitter beef that's going on right now between some NFL players, and then I'll end the episode by talking about with some potential trades coming in the next season or two. All of that today on the First Down Podcast. Okay, so let's get straight into this press conference. The main takeaways I'm going to take away from the talks of Aaron Rodgers forcing a trade are nowhere close to being true, and the reporters from Wisconsin also had no clue how to function a Zoom call. I urge you to go and listen to this press conference on Packers.com, and you can just listen to the bumping and making noise and the dinging and all of the things, and it's it's aggravating to say the least. I mean, come on, Packers reporters, what are you doing? So Aaron Rodgers mentioned a few big things that we need to be talking about today. Aaron Rodgers mentioned that he was not thrilled with the pick, but was excited to work with Jordan Love. I mean, I think that's what all of us already knew, but I I think he handled it pretty well. And then he said he's not going to want to go and hold resentment for Jordan Love because it's not Jordan Love's fault, and it isn't directly his fault because he never asked to be drafted by the Packers. And Aaron Rodgers knows himself what the problems was with Brett Favre in the same situation that he had with him a few years earlier. Not a few years, but quite a few years back when he was the new rookie coming. So we know Aaron Rodgers isn't going anywhere anytime soon. He has four years left on his contract, and Jordan Love has a rookie contract with four years, plus one more if the Packers want. So you're going to see Matt LaFleur and the GM that I'm not even going to try to pronounce the name of trade away Rodgers or release him in two to three years, if that, if he doesn't retire Packer. Aaron Rodgers said, I still want to retire Packer, but if my plans and the organization plans collide, then perfect. But if not, then I'll look at my options at that time. I'm paraphrasing there, of course, but you get the gist of it. I also truly think that Aaron Rodgers played this absolutely perfectly because now the NFL can't go out and say, well, you know, Aaron Rodgers said he's going to be leaving next season and he's going to be going playing for the Bears because we know that's not going to be happening anytime soon, so we won't be able to have to listen to that for the next few years. Okay, so now I'm going to be going into some of the changes coming to Madden 21. I have six changes individually that I'm going to be looking at. Starting off with number one, um, if you're a Madden 20 or just a Madden fan in general, I think a lot of these you're going to be like, yeah, this these make sense. So these are the ones that I think make the most sense, and I'm kind of guessing on these, but a lot of these have been rumored and spread around from people in the Madden community and from people who work at EA. So we know a lot of these are probably going to be going on. So uh, let's hope that some, uh, if not some, uh, if all of these could happen, because I think they're actually very good. Uh, Starting off at number one, we have toned down X-Factor features. 
So the big feature that Madden 20 had was X-Factor attributes. So like Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers had 100% accuracy and added throwing abilities. You could throw 5 or 10 more yards. But this kind of felt more arcade game-like than what people like playing Madden for. Like a realistic, including myself, realistic simulation type of game. That made the game feel very overpowered at times, so hopefully in Madden 21, you're going to see this being fixed so we don't have to see Lamar Jackson being an absolute god on the fields. Okay, then now at number two, we have a rework of Face of the Franchise. Face of the Franchise is the new game mode last year where if you graduated a college as a young prospect going to the NFL... And you had some standout moments in college, and then you went to the NFL. It was pretty much a predecessor from Longshot, which was a failed experiment by EA. And then we had this. And honestly, I think Face of the Franchise was a failure. Face of the Franchise was a couple-hour movie that you had to play every once in a while. Basically, it was a bunch of cutscenes, and you got to play in a college uniform. And then you got to see a bunch of cutscenes with... Good morning football, saying how much of a good prospect you are. You get to go to the draft, and then boom, you're in the NFL, and that's it. It's just, After that, it's just a player franchise mode, and there's nothing different. I mean, every once in a while, you see something um, with a your college coach talking to you, but that's it's not even a cutscene. It's just a text on the thing. So I don't really think that that is going to be seen the same next season. I think it's going to be a little bit longer and go more in depth with the player in college. Now at number three, we have dynamic audiences. I believe that we're going to see some Madden Stadium audiences that's actually kind of realistic to the audiences in the NFL. So if your team is losing so that it's more realistic, they're going to be leaving. So this was actually a feature in Madden 2014, and the Jaguars owner actually called them out on it and was asking why there wasn't very many fans when you were playing with them. And to be honest, in 2014, were the Jaguars very good? No, they were not. So we know that there was going to be a lot of fans if they were losing, so it was realistic, which I enjoy actually, because I am not a fan of when you're playing a game against the Chargers in Los Angeles, and they have a packed stadium, because come on, that's not really realistic, is it? So hopefully we get to see that soon, but it's probably a long shot for that one. At number four, we have expanded staffing options to teams. So on, like, franchise teams, when you're a coach, you kind of sometimes see a nameless GM that you get to see whenever you're trying to sign fifth-year options every once in a while. But besides that, it's just the coach and the owner and the player. So I don't think, I think it's going to be a lot more um, staffing options. So when you're the coach, you can sign offensive coordinators and stuff. And I think GMs are going to be played more in a part next season. So you can see stuff like that and just a good amount of added realism to the game. Okay, and then lastly, we have the running play. So this one is a personal pet peeve of mine, and it's just an, a thing that most NFL, sorry, not NFL, but Madden players have a problem with. And that's when you're trying to 
running the ball in Madden, and the only running play that works is the stretch play. So when I hop into an NFL or Madden game, and I really want to make it a realistic game, and I want to have fun, and I go and I'm trying to like rush the ball in the first quarter and maybe some into the second quarter, and it's not really working that well because none of the rushing plays really work that well. So I just find myself going to the stretch plays because they work 100% of the time. So eventually, I just want to either rush the ball with that or I want to pass the ball. And that kind of makes the game more, like, I wouldn't say redundant, but just more uh, repetitive. And every single time you're going to be playing the game, it's going to be the same thing over and over again. And you're going to get burnt out and you're not going to want to play Madden anymore. And if you're the creators of Madden and you're building Madden up and you want to make it better, I wouldn't want to make a meta for the game so that it's so boring to play that no one's playing the game by the time it's the next year that's not a good thing and just by the way if you have an xbox and you want to try playing me in madden for a chance to win a shout out in this podcast just dm me on the first down podcast on instagram that's with the number one first down podcast okay so now let's go into the new onside kick proposal And it's not even really an onside kick. It's actually kind of just getting rid of the onside kick and getting something new. So with the rules instituted by the NFL a few seasons prior, onside kicks are pretty much non-existent anymore. This new proposal that happened a few years, that's happening right now, sorry, is making a 4th and 15 on your own 25-yard line. So this means that if you don't get it, you're going to be on the 15 there's a 25-yard line, and then boom, easy touchdown for the other team. So this could go two, one of two ways. One of the ways is this in, is instituted and is used well, and it's only used at the end of games, and it's pretty good. Or the second thing happens, and this is the thing that I do not want to happen, and this is why I'm kind of hesitant to look at this new proposal, is just imagine the Kansas City Chiefs are going and playing, and they score really quick at the beginning of the game. And then, boom, let's go for the new onside kick. So then you go 4th and 15, boom, you get it. Boom, you score another touchdown. And then, boom, by the end of the game, Patrick Mahomes throws 10 touchdown passes and rushes for three. Do you really want to see that as an as a team playing the Kansas City Chiefs or any team just watching that happen? No, not really. Unless you're a Chiefs fan, that's, you're not going to want that because the only time that your team is going to get the ball is in the second half. And then it's going to be the first half is the first team, and the second half is the second team playing offense, and that's it. So I don't think that much is going to be drastically changing with this new proposal, but I don't want to have the chance of that happening. So I think they should very much look at what what could happen and make sure that that doesn't happen next season because that could drastically change the NFL, and I don't think anyone wants that to happen. So now let us look at the clowns of the Dallas Cowboys. Let's be honest. Jerry Jones has screwed this contract situation up. The longer you wait for your quarterbacks to get signed, the longer or the more quarterbacks are going to be worth. The more quarterbacks getting signed, the worse the situation gets. With the rumor that I read by Bleacher Report is that Dak Prescott turned down a $33 million per year contract. To put in perspective, Russell Wilson's contract, who was the highest paid 
quarterback in the league signed a $35 million contract two years ago, or one year ago, sorry. This is something that will make the Cowboys truly, truly think on whether or not Dak Prescott is the quarterback of the future. Do not be surprised if Dak Prescott holds out for a few games next season, and you're going to be seeing the backup quarterback play. Now, who's the backup quarterback again? That's right, the Red Rocket. Andy Dalton is the quarterback on this team then. And do you really think Andy Dalton couldn't win three games with this team? This is a very loaded offense with the three wide receivers that they could be playing with. You don't think that if Andy Dalton goes and wins three games that he could just take over and if they're not if he's taking over and he's playing good then I don't think they're going to be worried about trying to give any money to Dak Prescott and then just like that he's not going to get signed for the rest of the season and honestly if you're not going to pay Dak Prescott that's probably a good thing. That's $36 million for the next five years. That And that $36 million is going to be absolutely crippling to your team. Because think about it. They have so many young stars on that team, like Van Der Esch and Byron Jones last season that they had to get rid of because they couldn't afford him because they wanted to sign Dak Prescott's deal. Think about this. If they had that much more money, they could not only sign these people, they could also go get people in free agency or make some trades to get a much better team. And they also have a good quarterback in Andy Dalton. This team could be much, much better. And you don't think Andy Dalton would actually take a pay cut for this team? He won, He had $17 million a year for a few seasons there at the Cincinnati Bengals. But the problem with the Cincinnati Bengals, they never really won anything. He never won a single playoff game. Although one of them wasn't really his fault. So I think at this point in his career as a Texas native, he could easily take a pay cut and then boom, he's going to be taking a pay cut and that money could go towards weapons or other things on that team. And then he's going to be on a team that could be going straight to the Super Bowl. Okay, so now that all these NFL players are locked up in their houses, all they're doing is going on social media or they're going on their phones and what are they doing they're going to be looking at on instagram and what's going on on instagram people are posting things about football and football talk is going on right now like on my instagram page the first down podcast instagram page a shameless plug honestly i post hilarious memes and i pose questions sometimes so if you want to go look at that and uh, hey pose a question to me and i talk about it on the podcast perfect then that can happen but also, Fox NFL posted something on Instagram asking simply a A or B question. Would you rather be ha- try catching a pass guarded by Stefan Gilmore or try pa- or try breaking up a pass that's while guarding Michael Thomas? So Devontae Parker from the Dolphins, number one wide receiver on their team, just commented A. That's all he commented, saying that he would rather it's it'd be harder to pass to get a pass on Gilmore. He, of all people, should know how difficult this is because he's the number one receiver on a team who has to play him twice a year. Michael Thomas then po- comments on Devontae Parker's comment and says, For you, yes. Thomas wrote in in response to Parker saying 
Go run some numbers, then you can talk. I lapped you in the league last year with all of my stats, and you're a first-round pick a few seasons ago. Basically, this just turned into a trash talk roast for the next few days, and it was kind of funny at some points. But here's the thing. Devontae Parker showed some great points when he was talking about this, actually. That really made me think. Is Michael Thomas the best wide receiver in the league? Is he even a top 5 receiver in the league? Is he a top 10 receiver in the league? I think he's honestly a top 5 receiver in the league, but hear me out. I think that Parker would have had the same amount of stats if he got targeted as much as him. Because here's the thing about the Saints. The Saints' number one receiver is basically a... just They just drop it off to him every single time. Basically, Devontae Parker said, if I also got targeted 300 times a game, then I would have the same amount of stats. And honestly, that's truthful. That's really truthful. Because here, he had he led the league in targets with 185 targets. And he caught... 149 of them, which, by the way, is an NFL record. Literally, the closest receiver is 157 targets, and he caught 99 of them, Julio Jones. Others mentioned pretty much that everything thrown to Thomas was caught, so that is actually true. Most of his things were caught. He led the league in a catch percentage with, I think, 86%. Or it was in the 80s, at least, I know for sure. But here's the thing. A lot of the things brought up by Devontae Parker are very truthful. Devontae Parker, by the way, 1,000-yard season last season, now is getting paid well and is officially an elite receiver now that he's a 1,000-yard receiver. And I've been a strong believer that Parker is going to be a great receiver in the NFL. I'm personally a huge fan of him. I think if Tua Tagovailoa is a decent quarterback at least, then he could be the next Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill duo. But he is... Michael Thomas gets the most catches with slants in the league. The margin for his catches, I think, is about 85%, is between 1 and 9 yards is where he catches it, which is about eight is 85% of the NFL is better in that category for targets. So this means he's basically not a deep threat at all. So then it begs the question, who would you rather have on that team, Michael Thomas or Devontae Parker? And honestly, I think I'd go with Devontae Parker. Think about it. Devontae Parker not only is a better deep threat, but I think he could do, I think he could do, I don't think he would do as good in the one to nine yard radius, but I think he would do okay enough that it would okay him to be better in that situation with Sean Payton, Drew Brees. And then I think if that was the case, he would turn into the next Randy Moss or Terrell Owens and become a 2,000 yard receiver and have 15 to 20 touchdowns. Okay, so now what you've all been waiting for. I'm going to be going through some potential trades you'll be seeing in the next two to three seasons. So write these down so when I get them correct, you can text me and be like, hey, you got them right. And I'll be like, yeah, I know. Pretty good, huh? 
So some of these potential trades. The first one that I think of that's going to be happening to the next season or the next two seasons is Patrick Peterson leaving Arizona. Patrick Peterson turns 30 next season before the season starts, which means he's on his ninth hole. His PEDs also show evidence of he and him being not as good as he used to be and being close to the end of his career. He's trying to attempt to recover quicker because of his age and to stay on top. It's pretty hard for him. With a cap hit of $13.5 million, he's a very pricey cornerback on this team. They have Byron Jones, Buda Baker, and Isaiah Simmons on this team now. You could really see him not being on this team next season because they could get him traded for a second and a fifth round pick. I think that would be much better of a choice to get a second and a fifth round pick than have Patrick Peterson on your team taking up $13.5 million in cap space with a player that isn't even going to be good as good as Isaiah Simmons in the next season, or I think even Buda Baker could be better than him in a few years. Next, we have the Dallas Cowboys getting Jamal Adams. It's pretty evident that Adams wants to get paid, and the Jets are very clearly not ready to pay him until 2021. This trade actually almost went through with the trade deadline in 2019, but it never happened. So I'm, they're already talking about it, and they already considered trading him. So if Jamal Adams hears, I'm probably going to get traded, he's probably not invested as much in this Jets team. So you might as well trade him now, because here's the thing. Jamal Adams wants to get paid, and if he doesn't pay, he could hold out. And then what's the point in having him on your team? And then he will not be as much as worth if you try trading him because he won't play for you. Or he won't even get traded from that team and he'll just sit out. Which one would you rather have? So I think he could get they could get a first-round pick for him. And my personal theory on why he wasn't traded last season was he was just offered a first-round pick. And I'm guaranteeing the Jets won a little bit more because they used, uh, what what was it, a number three overall pick or number five overall pick, trying to get him or trying to get more for him than they had because they know how good of a player he is. And I, I don't know. I, I can't honestly see a reason why the Jets would want to get rid of him. They have a lot of room and cap for him. And he's maybe the best safety in the league in a time when safeties are getting more and more important. So if you do see this trade, it's going to be between week one and week eight, probably closer to the trade deadline again like it happened last season. The next trade I want to talk about is David Njoku, tight end from the Browns to the Patriots. With a tight end problem looming in New England, I think you could easily get a second round pick traded to the Browns for David Njoku. Um, I've heard from people online that the Browns are not the biggest fans of David Njoku and are truly willing to get rid of him. So if that's the case, a second round pick is pretty good for a 23-year-old tight end who's one of the best in the league. Um, He's had some injury problems as of late, but I really think that he could turn a corner next season, especially with Bill Belichick on his as his coach to be one of become one of the best tight ends in the league. And then uh, finishing it off, we have 
again, another tight end to replace Jimmy Graham. We have O.J. Howard to the Green Bay Packers. So I think O.J. Howard is not as not worth as much as David Njoku because David Njoku is worth more to the Browns than O.J. Howard is to Tampa Bay. O.J. Howard is on a team who has three tight ends, and he's not even possibly going to be the number two tight end on that team. So th- that team is loaded on but with tight ends. He's a good tight end, but he's not needed there. So I think the Packers could give up a third and a fifth round pick just because of what they had to uh, what they have on their team. Like I said, so I think a second and a fourth round pick or fifth round pick, and then they get a good tight end, and they can try getting back into this playoffs and try winning another Super Bowl. So, I again, I think a third and a fifth is plenty because he's going into a contract year, and you don't know if he's going to be staying with you even. So you're not going to be buying a car if you're only renting it for a year. It's the same for an NFL player. If you're going to be getting a player, you want to only give... So, like, the Redskins, for instance, a few years ago, traded a fourth-round pick for HaHa Clinton Dix. They only traded a fourth-round pick because they weren't... They didn't know whether or not he was going to be playing for the next season. And what happened? They didn't play... He didn't play for him next season, but, hey, it was just a fourth-round pick. And you got to have him for about eight games and potentially get him. So I think that HaHa Clindix, if he was traded, could be a second or third round pick traded. But because he was in a contract year, that means that he's going to be going for less, just like OJ Howard will be going for less next season. Okay, so thank you so much for listening to today, guys. This concludes the episode three of the First Down Podcast. Sorry my posts have been kind of spotty on different days lately, but I've been trying to find a good day to post these podcasts so that when the NFL season actually starts i can put a good i have a good spot to start making pickums and predictions so i'm going to be starting to do thursday mornings so right before the thursday night game and then you can also i can also talk about the week before so it's after week one because i actually start i used to do it on sunday night then i did monday so that never really made any sense so i'm doing it right before thursday and for now on and if you want to sh- want me to shout you out on this podcast, you can try playing me on Madden for it. Um, just try following me on Instagram and Twitter. We can talk about that on First Down Podcast with the number one First Down Podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening today, and I'll see you in the next episode.